Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Now, this is an apostolic visit. Are you ready? You see, this night is a very unique night. Sometimes you go to God with burdens. You, you, you have prayer points and you're bombarding the gates of heaven. And then God begins to... And everything he says, as powerful as it is, he doesn't really concern what you were asking him. Has that happened to you before? And this is that type of night. Because many times we don't even see the connection between, you know, what God is saying to us and what we truly need. But more often than not, over the frequency of God, you will discover that what you need is covered therein. What the Lord has asked me to share with you is very simple but very important. You see, from my experience... Many believers stumble at the simple things. It's the simple things. They know all the complex equations of spiritual devotion, all the Greek words, and all the religious calisthenics. But when it comes to the simple things, they just seem to have a problem. But I want to tell you what I'm about to share with you, as simple as it is, it's an ingredient that will change everything. You see, years ago, I went to a house hungry. And it's not the type of house where you form and say, you know, when they ask you, are you hungry? You say, no, no. There's just some people you're close to, and you can say it as it is. And as God will have it, as about the time I got there, I was welcomed by a scent from the kitchen. I could tell the way, preparing this delicious soup Sure enough, moments after, a tray approached me. I looked at it, and it looked as good as it smelled. Almost every meat that God created was there. Ogunfe, roundabout, all the nicknames you know, we have here, Shaki, everything present. And pounded jam and everything. And so I just, you know, you know how we do it. But much to my surprise, as soon as I tasted it, it just, it just tasted bland. There was no salt. Now, as I would often say, I said that to say this, you see, I have observed that as salt is to soup, there is one ingredient that is missing in the spiritual devotion of many Christians. Very simple, like salt. Salt is arguably the cheapest part of every soup, but very important. Isn't that true? The cheapest part of every soup. But then you will realize that even if you get everything right, it has all the proteins, it has the, the vegetables fresh and everything, it has the pounded yam, and you've labored so much to gather, you know, everything together to put that if you don't have the salt, the soup cannot taste right. 
And so some ministries have patterned their ministries and their activities after some great ministries. They do everything right. The choir is right. The preaching is right. The ambience is right. The venue is right. But somehow, they don't have arrive at the right, the same result. And they are wondering why. You see the same thing with believers. They try to pattern their lives, you know, after some mentors. Pray as much as they pray. Study as much as they study. Serve as much as they serve. But somehow, you know, they're not getting the results. And sometimes, you see, because we don't know the closets of people and what goes on in there, we don't know what goes on in the hearts of people. Sometimes people just say, oh, these things don't really work. And we think they are correct. Because from the outside, it looks like they did everything right. What could they have gotten wrong? But tonight, I show you something very important. Listen, the reason why I'm saying this is this. You know, sometime in December, the pastor of one of the largest churches in Nigeria called me, and he was just fascinated by our ministry and everything we're doing right. So he was asking me some questions, and, you know, and he was impressed. But then he said, I have listened to many of your sermons, and I've realized you don't really teach many of the things or some of the things that are core to the success of your ministry. And if you don't teach it, after you go, many other people will find it difficult to replicate what you are doing. He said, teach it. And that was very consistent with what the Lord had already told me, that this ministry will be a prototype ministry. So sometimes, you know, it now occurs to me now that we have to sit back and ask questions. What are we doing right? This is the... This program commemorates the first anniversary of this church. And there is something you need to understand. Turn your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. We'll read the B part of that text. We'll still come back to the rest of the text, but we'll just read the B part, the part that starts with God. Are you there? I want you to read it as loud as you can. Are you there already? Read it as loud as you can. One, two, go. Come on, read it loud as you can. One, two, go. Read it one more time. One, two, go. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, many people see humility as something they do to be nice. But people hardly see it as something they do to rise. But he says here that God resists the proud. He frustrates their schemes. He disappoints their imaginations. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, let me tell you this. When God tells us that this is our year of greater light, the fact that you can grow in influence, and in power and capacity for the gospel. He brings sermons like this to position you for where he's taking you. I want to appeal to you. Don't just assume, oh, I know this. You see, there are many things that we assume we know. And so we don't learn as we should. And so our lives don't change as it should. Listen, this is serious. God resists the proud. 
and then he gives what? Let me tell you this. You know, many times when we are studying grace, we learn about the fact that grace is multiplied through the knowledge of Jesus. So through knowledge, grace is multiplied. But we hardly hear that grace is multiplied through humility. Did the text not say that? He gives grace to the humble. So as you are learning the word of God and growing in grace through study, growing in grace through prayer, guess what? You grow in grace through what? Because God gives grace to the humble. I want to title this sermon, The Recipe for Greatness, Humility. The Recipe for Greatness, comma, then humility. As I begin to build my case, for as far as this topic is concerned, I want to start with the Lord Jesus himself. You see, many times we look at Jesus, we look to Jesus for salvation, but not for an example. And you have to understand that the theological fabric for salvation is also the theological fabric for our example. And I will tell you what I mean by that. When it comes to salvation, for you to be saved, you must believe that God took on flesh dwelt amongst us, lived a sinless life, died our death, and that God raised him up from on the third day, and that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So we look at that information to receive salvation, but guess what? That is not just something to look at and believe. It is something to look at and emulate. So John 3.16 tells us that God told of the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So in the death of Jesus, we have salvation. But in the death of Jesus, we also have an example of humility. So Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking upon him the form of a burnt servant, coming in the likeness of a man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So you see, the death of Jesus on the cross brings salvation, but is also our example. So in the redemptive work of Jesus is not just something to believe, but something to emulate. Are you listening to me? Listen, what I'm saying with, to you, as simple as it is, is so profound and so important. In the redemptive work of Jesus, we don't just see a message to believe, we see an example to emulate. Let this mind be in you. You know what? The Bible says he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, you know, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. I could just come here, you know, pray for the sick, you know, teach one message on power and move on. But the real work of an apostle is descend after he has gone. The people must be established. I want to share with you something that will help you last. 
something that will help you stand the test of time. I'm telling you this. God has tried to do many great things in the lives of people, but he can't. Because there are few foxes that are spoiling the vine. Things like what I'm sharing with you. If you are not humble, there is a limit to what God can do with you. I'm telling you. In Christ, we see our salvation and we see our example. So when I consider that Jesus died on the cross, my response is twofold. Number one, I believe it to be saved. Number two, I emulate it. Because that's an example of humility. Say loud amen if you are following. Amen. I mean, think about it. When you, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, every time we consider the ministry of Jesus, we consider the end, and rightly so. Yeah, the important years of Jesus' incarnation were the last three and a half years where he taught, where he healed the sick, where he raised the dead, where he died, where he rose again. But let me shock you. I am almost as fascinated about the things that Jesus didn't do as I am about the things that he did. Even if nothing come close, comes close to the actual redemptive work, I think about the fact that he had to wait 30 years to start what God will have him start. That's a sermon on humility on his own. It takes humility to wait. It takes humility to know that even though your friends are clapping for you, they think you are ready, they think you can do it, but listen, God, I am only ready when you say I am. Are you listening to me? See, at least from the Bible, we knew that he already knew he was the son of God at the age of 12. So even if you want to count from that time, he had to wait 18 years. Mind you, at the age of 12, he could already converse with doctors and lawyers. And they were astonished at his wisdom. At the age of 12. But he had to wait. <laughs> that is a sermon on his own. The fact that, listen, has it ever occurred to you that the first miracle of Jesus at the wedding at Cana, his mom came to him. For her to come to him, she knew he could do that miracle, right? So that means he must have been doing some miracles in private. Do you know what it takes to have the capacity to do something and not do it because you feel it's not time? Listen, when we read about Jesus, we are astonished about his miracles. Ah, it takes more maturity to wait than to do. I'm telling you, maturity. And maybe the Lord is making me preach this to help someone here. Yes, your friends are healing you. Your friends are telling you how worded you are. You know it's not time. Don't let pressure push you prematurely. And maybe you are even, you know, you've been faithful in this church. And you're wondering, okay, others are holding the microphone. Others are leading. When will it be my time? I want to beg you in the name of Jesus. One of the biggest secrets of greatness. Ah, 
Don't embrace applause before his time. Continue in the private. Continue to build capacity. Continue. Let me tell you something. You know what Jesus said? He says, a city set on a hill cannot be what? Ah, ah. When it is time, it will be visible to the blind. Don't worry. Don't lobby. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to. When I was in school, nobody knew me. I just got filled with the Spirit, began to walk with God in private. And you know, I just began to follow God, follow God personally. I wasn't, see, of all the service units, there was prayer force, you know, the prayer, the band department, there was evangelism. Guess the service unit I was in school? Choir. That's where I was. So how was anyone going to identify me? And as I was at the center of the field, my knees on the ground, speaking in tongues and praying, the Lord told me, he said, you will be the next student chaplain in this school. The Lord told me that clear. And the Lord knows how to orchestrate it. Are you aware? Yeah. Uh -huh. Very easy. It can be through dreams. It can be... How did John know that Jesus was the Messiah? God said, the person on whom you see the Spirit descend. Uh -uh. Isn't all God? Thank God for flyers. Do you know how many people have joined our church without knowing? You know, I read a testimony about your church. The lady said in a dream, I think someone told her to go to Celebration Church, Ibadan. She didn't know we had an Ibadan branch. Are you getting what I'm saying? So she woke up from the dream to go and check. And much to our surprise, we had a branch. See, ministers of the gospel here, you have to understand. Okay, so this dimension of the growth of Celebration Church. Do you, every day, someone dreams about us. Every day. So it, there is more to it than how we arrange our setup, how we sing, how we dress. If you don't position yourself for God to walk with you, confirming your words with signs following, ah, yeah, it, you can fake everything, but how do you fake the Spirit descending? It says the person on whom you see the Spirit descend. So I'm on my own praying, and the Lord said that. But then there was a test. As a confirmation, you know, some leaders had come to me. They said, from what we hear, you're going to be the next student chaplain, and all of that. The morning of that day, you know, we were brought into the dean's office, and then we saw the list. I saw my, saw my name, chaplain. And then, lo and behold, as they were announcing, They announced someone else as chaplain and myself as assistant. And the Lord spoke to me immediately. He said, I'm doing this so that you can build character. Are, are you listening to me? I think this is the first time I'm talking about this. I'm doing this so that you can build character. I 
And it took me a while, but I adjusted my heart quickly, you know. And here's the interesting thing. In fact, there were times, there was a particular time we had a meeting for the entire campus. Someone asked a very tough question. No one knew the answer to. And it was the chaplain who was going to round off. So you know what I did? I just whispered to him, explained the answer to the question. And I said, go share it. So he went. When he shared it, the whole school was clapping. The whole school clapped. And these were the simple tests that the Lord was passing me through. Are you listening to me? Some of you, in your service unit, you are sizing people up. When they say, take this song, I, I can sing more than her. Hey, you take this prayer, I can pray more than her. You, you don't know who you are dealing with. And the thing is, the person we are dealing with, God, he looks at the heart. So some of these things are internalized. They are secret, but they are there. And God sent me to help you tonight. Ah, if you want God to raise you, learn this. Because God resists the proud. If it is a demon stopping you from rising, that's easy. But if it is God, who can help you? When God is resisting someone, how, how can you move forward? When he says God is resisting, who will, who will you call? Come on, are you listening to me? Yes, so Jesus waited 18 years. 18 years. You know how it is? <laughs> this is a horrible example, but I will give it so that you just get the point. You know how it is, you know, in some families... Maybe that are polygamous or that had children out of wedlock. Listen, if you fall into that category, you can, I have many biblical and practical examples that prove that you can go on to be great and fulfill God's plan for your life. Are you get what I'm saying? If you check the very genealogy of Jesus, you will find people like that. But that's a discussion for another day. But I'm just saying this for a reason. Some people discovered later... Like some of you, maybe you were checking daddy's wedding pictures and you saw yourself. <laughs> You're not like, ah, ah, what am I doing here? <laughs> what kind of miracle is this? Then I have to explain. <laughs> you know, so, you know, Sometimes, you know, it takes a while before the people discover, okay, this is, this is my daddy, you know, in terms of nurturing, but this is not my daddy in terms of. At the age of 12, Jesus knew. After they had been looking for him and they found him discussing with the doctors and the lawyers and the teachers, when they said, we've been looking for you. Mary said, me and your daddy have been looking for you. He said, did you not know I will be about my father's business? Hey. You know, Joseph must have been like, you didn't have to say it like that. You didn't, you didn't have to be like that. 
But I said that to say that at 12, he already knew. I'm telling you, waiting is tough. When you know what God will do through you, but it's not time. In my second year in the university, I went to the back of my hostel and I cried, rolled on the floor. I said, God, are we not wasting our time? You've already told me that I will preach to the nations. Where am I in school? Let me drop out. <laughs> True life story. And he said, no. And like a child, you know, with toddler tantrums. I was, you know, I was crying. I, I, I thought I was ready. You know, we always think we're ready. And God is saying, wait, build more character, build more experience. It's tough to wait. Beware of false urgency. People will be clapping for you. Ah, ah. In fact, you and pastor, the way you preach, there's no difference. <laughs> but listen, one of the biggest proof of consecration is timing. You must get the timing right. That even when you feel you are ready, you still wait. You are still behind the shadows. All the while, you are seeing John the Baptist shining. And you are still waiting. Everybody is coming to John the Baptist. And you know that he's meant to be just the courier for your own message. He's meant to just point to you and say, this is the person, this is the real Lamb of God. You know, and you're seeing all of that. And it still doesn't move you to go beyond before it's time. That's consecration. That's maturity. He must learn this. And then after he waited 18 years, it's finally time to preach at the age of 30. He climbs a mountain in, in Matthew chapter 5 to preach a sermon called the Beatitudes. You've heard of it, right? Or the attitudes to be, Beatitudes, all right? You know, and then he, you, you have to understand, this was a sermon that probably took 18 years to prepare. Now you want to know what's he going to preach about. It must be very important. You know, this is the incarnate son of God coming from heaven. He's the logos of God. And now this is his first sermon. What is he going to preach about? It must be very important. It must be life-changing. Oh, we want to learn about this. What's he going to say? And he opened his mouth, the Bible says, and taught them. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 2, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to tell you, in agreement with many theologians, that he said the same thing in three different ways. This was a teaching on humility. To be poor in spirit is to be humble to realize the insufficiency of yourself. The fact that your goodness and your holiness cannot take you to heaven. You realize that you need help. You need a savior. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That you recognize the bankruptcy of your efforts. The bankruptcy of your spirit. You need a messiah, a savior. That's humility. It takes humility to admit that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. 
The proud in those days, you know, they were always celebrating and they wore nice clothes. But using this analogy of mourning, you know, was painting a picture of sobriety, of humility. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Still on humility. The third one, blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, let me ask you this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for what? That is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek for what? Listen, heaven and earth have, has been promised to the humble. God has promised the humble heaven and earth. The poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The meek, they shall inherit the earth. Heaven and earth have been promised to the humble. You don't realize how great humility is. God has promised the humble heaven and earth. Say that with me. God has promised the humble heaven and earth. Much later, in Matthew chapter 18, the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, like he did in a few other places, gave an illustrative sermon. He just told the little child to come to him. And he put, them in the, put the child in the midst of them. And he says, whoever shall humble himself and become like this little child shall be great in the kingdom. Now, this is the word made flesh, telling you how God recognizes greatness in his kingdom. And he says, humility. Ha, ha, ha. You would have thought he would have said miracles. You would have thought he would have said size of church. You would have thought he would have said signs and wonders, traveling around the world, you know, apostolic graces and all of that. But he said humility. Humbling yourself to the plan of God. Let me tell you something. It takes humility to magnify your office, to realize that no matter what God has asked you to do, it is special. It is big. That in the church, whether you are preaching or you are in the children's department or you are sweeping, everywhere God puts me is important. Are you listening to me? That's greatness. To be satisfied with the graces of God. He says anyone who prophesies, let him prophesy according to the measure of grace. No comparison. You are okay with the road that God has given to you. You are not comparing yourself to the person by your side. That's greatness. Heaven looks at you different. The person by your side may not recognize you as anything special, but not heaven. Are you getting where I'm saying? Because there is the result that people appreciate and celebrate, and there is what heaven looks at. And so these guys come to Jesus and say, oh, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But he said, ah, not just that, but rejoice even more that your names are written in heaven. There are many things that happen on the earth that heaven does not recognize. Many things that people celebrate on earth that heaven does not celebrate. 
humility. Remember, I'm not telling you something that will make you nice. I'm telling you something that will make you rise. If you, if you want to rise in destiny, this is one secret. Come on, are you with me? Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible tells us signs of the end time. And just the same with the Beatitudes, I've, virtually all of them are about humility. I want to tell you all the signs of the end times are either about pride or selfishness. And we can go through them together. And you will tell me if you see that trend or not. 2 Timothy 3.1 These know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Selfishness, right? They shall be covetous. Selfishness, right? They shall be boasters. Pride, right? They shall be proud, of course. Blasphemous. You know, someone says, what, what about blaspheming? It takes pride to blaspheme. Because to blaspheme, it means you don't see anything as sacred. You can see anything. You can make any joke about anything. So if to blaspheme is to minimize sacred things or commonize sacred things, that's pride. Are we still on the same page? Disobedience to parents. Listen, there are many church-going people who don't know this. And mind you, I have to say, parents can be wrong, and they are wrong many times. But there is a line you must never cross. I'm coming back there. You see, there are some things that Christocentric people don't really teach. We're coming there. There are many things that create an inroad to Satan that people are not aware of. And so instead of us, you know, spending time just praying and blessing and, you know, then you go there with the wrong habits that jeopardize what God is building in your life, how about we just address all these things systematically? That's why we're here. Disobedience to parents. What's the next thing he mentioned? Unthankful. That's pride too. Have you seen people, you know, they commonize the things you give to them. Not appreciative. It's pride. He says these are the signs of the last days. Perilous times shall come. Let me ask you this. Haven't you, have you not, haven't you seen all these things on the rise today? Talk to me if you have. Unholy. What does it mean to be unholy? Not just in morality. But I've defined it biblically. What is holy means what is sacred. Something that is separate from the common. So an unholy person, you know, doesn't see anything as sacred. That Babylonian king wanted to drink alcohol with his concubines. And he said, go and bring me the vessels that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem. 
the temples, you know, the, the, the utensils that were used for the worship of God in the temple that the priest will use for service. He used it for party. Unholy. And God knows how to deal with such people. There are only two times God wrote with his finger the writing on the law and the writing to judge that king. That's how important. God said, I know I've written the law, but I need to write one more time. Mene teke ofasin. In modern day language, Olori broke you. That's, imp- that's interpretation of tongues. <laughs> also known as, you're going to see crazy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says they will be without natural affection. The things that touch others don't touch you. Just normal. You know, there is a satanic trend on the internet. Everything is a prank. You see people in public, you embarrass them, and then you post it online. God helped this generation that does not know how to draw the line. Everything is a joke. Everything is vibes. Until you enter trouble. See, let me tell you something. See, he said for every idle word that you speak, you shall give account. Don't tell God it was crucial. You know, some people are just loose. You know, I went somewhere to an office to make an application, you know, and just because, you know, some people are so power drunk, they make you class captain, nobody can hear what. <laughs> so now you are supposed to, yeah, because I'm in your office, you are making documents. And you say, what, what who are you? Say, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. And you just ask me a question. Because you didn't even wait for me to land. Because you misconstrued what I was saying. You thought I was hiding information. You say, you call yourself a pastor, and you are, and you know, that's how people enter trouble. Because if I reply now and say, if I be a man of God, she, she, I will be wicked. She, after all, she said, you call yourself a pastor. You, you don't know me. And, and I am proof that the world can be very dangerous. Because if you see me outside in a gene, you will never know. You will never know. You know, one of the neighbors in my estate, because we had to go there to ask for something, you know, somehow the conversation was just moving, and then he began to brag about jazz and power to me. So I said, all those powers are nonsense. He said, look at you. And was doing, I, I looked at him. I said, I said, sir, Agbarawa. <laughs> Let's be calming down. 
calm down. You, you see, it's not by look. And that's why you need to be careful. This social media generation, you can reply anybody. Anybody. Be careful. And I've discovered that this is one of the biggest secrets for walking in the anointing. Are you listening to me? Yes, we have myriads of teachings on prayer. Myriads of teachings on the word. But I've discovered something in the entire Bible. Oil will look for the humble. Did you hear what I said? No matter where you hide, oil will look for the humble. People might not have heard of you before, but oil will always find the humble. It's like, it's like, Magnet to metal, it will fish you out. Fish you out. When you look at Saul, of the many reasons why he was rejected, number one was pride. Number one was pride. Turn your Bibles quickly. You need to see this. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. First Samuel 15, verse 17. Do you know? Now, this guy, because you've been made king, God gives you a simple instruction you don't obey. And so Samuel tells him this. He said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not heard of the tribes of Israel? Like when you didn't even see yourself as anything much, God chose you. And now because of small success, nobody can talk to you. Because small money has entered your hand, you are so proud, so arrogant. You know, in this generation that idolizes money, anybody that has money in an office, you can see an elderly man sweeping and walk past him and see your boss that is young, young enough to be his son and prostrate for him. You, you have no value. Money is your God. You think, listen, if people have to have money to earn your respect, you have a lot to learn. Oh. Are you listening to me? And you can be tongue speaking and not know this. He said, when you were little in your own eyes, God made you leader of Israel. God made you. Don't forget. Ah, I want to advise you. No matter where you get to in life, after people have praised you, hailed you, learn to go to your room, remove your shoes, lie on the floor, roll on the floor, and say, God, who am I? Who am I but a boy that you have helped? but a girl that you have helped. Who am I? What do I have? What do I have that you did not give me? 
You are the one backing me up. People may not see it. They may see my intelligence, but I know better. They may see my hard work, but I know better. Ah, I give you the praise. I give you the glory. Listen, it is fitting that we discuss this at the anniversary of this church. Look at what God has done in one year. And I want you to know this is the position of my heart. And that's why this ministry will continue to rise. And listen, I'm teaching you this so that you can pattern your life after it. Because if you copy the sermons verbatim, copy the venue, You know, just last year, we're using a church. Another church went to talk to the venue, offered them more money. So they kicked us out so that they can start using that venue as church. We've seen things, so. <laughs> In Lekki. But what really counts is your heart. And make no mistake, humility is not in kneeling down. It is shown in posture, but it's, it's of the heart. Ah, <laughs> Posture can be mimicked. Men are good pretenders. All right? Men are good pretenders. You know, there was someone, you know. <laughs> I had a prophetic word for Pastor Mayawasani, then it was just Mayawasani. I said, the Lord says, follow me. And then one boy went behind my back and was telling him, don't listen to him. This is, he's trying to use you to build this ministry. <laughs> so when I heard that, I was like, ah, he said that. Okay, I'm going to see him next week. Maybe, I, maybe I'll bring it up, maybe I won't. When that guy saw me, as he saw me, he just laid prostrate like this. Ah, is it? You, you can't kill someone. <laughs> you can't kill someone. I've not even greeted him. He just laid like, bah, ah, ah. I'm not talking about false humility. You know, we have all this, especially pastors. You know, you go and preach. You now sit at the back. You know your seat is in front. They will not be begging you, sir, no, please go for it. That's no humility, that's pride. You are attracting attention to yourself. So that they will say, oh, you are humble, that's pride. <laughs> it is proud of you to try to be humble. <laughs> to are drawing attention to yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about silly things. I'm not talking about greeting competition. <laughs> I don't want to see. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Lord spoke to Samuel. Stop mourning over Saul. I've rejected him. Take your oil. Listen, this is how a lot of replacements happen in the body of Christ. It happens all the time. Ah, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. There are some things that people are doing that other people were originally told to do. 
Are you listening to me? I've moved on from this one. Carry oil. Go to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Anoint someone in his house. And you know, God does this with me many times. He will give half word of knowledge just to teach you something. <laughs> so, Samuel went to the house by prophetic gift. But God did not tell him the name of the person. Just to teach him something. And when he saw Eliab with broad chest, remember, Saul was also taller than all the Israelites. So he said, ah, you know, this one at least, this one will work for pictures. <laughs> if I just stay like this on the banner like this, hold the mic like this. They will know that they will celebrate grace. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know, some people, they practice all the silly things. iPad, you know, suits, except the actual ministry. Just packaging, no substance. Hmm? So, when he saw Eliab, you know what Samuel said? He said, surely, this is the Lord's anointed. <laughs> Turn your Bible Samuel 16. I want you to read it yourself. I know you've heard this before. Samuel 16, verse 6. It says, So it was when they came that he took Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He's talking for the Lord. He said, Lord, this is your anointed now. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance. You know, some people join church according to the appearance of the pastor. Zero discernment. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Say this with me. Say, the Lord does not see... As men see. You know what? Look at what he said next. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Ah. <laughs> so David, every day, will go about his father's bidding, serving faithfully, being the humble guy, building character. And it was not on the news. He was not advertising it, but God sent a prophet. Listen, you don't need publicity. Are you listening to me? Just continue to serve God faithfully. See, God sent a prophet all the way to knock at his house. And even the day he came, David was not around. And yet, he did not mistakenly anoint Eliab. The other guys came, not this one. Not this one. Not the, the prophet had to say, is there not another? They said, eh, there's one, the youngest one is watching the sheep. You know what Samuel said? He said, we will, nobody will sit down until he comes. <laughs> That's how the Lord honors. He says, no, the elder brothers had to wait standing for David to come. Are you listening to this? Maybe the Lord is teaching this to prepare your heart for greatness that is coming. And if you know anything about God, he will not give you anything you are not prepared for. 
He will not. Mark my words. You see, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a man of God called me two days ago. He said, ah, the prophetic on your life is stronger. I said, I'm aware, sir. Sometimes I teach and you don't know why. Just align. I'm telling you, your life is about to shift. The same way favor found David, favor will find you. <laughs> Say amen like you believe. Amen. <laughs> he said, we will not sit until he comes here. And then, of course, the anointing came on him. Saul thought it was about stature. Even Samuel thought it was about stature. Eliab thought it was about stature. But guess what? There are some battles you will fight. Stature cannot help you. As tall as Saul was, tall, Saul was taller than all the Israelites. But Goliath. And that's the problem. Many times we are comparing with our peers instead of where we are going. And that's why we're looking at ourselves, looking at our capacity. We think you are taller than the person by your side. But you're going to face Goliath. And there is nobody in Israel that is taller than Goliath. It will take more than strength. Where God is taking you to, your strength cannot take you past it. Your strength cannot take you past it. You are going to need the anointing of God. Are you listening to me? The anointing. You know the irony? When David was facing Goliath, Saul and Eliab were there. <laughs> they were there. Saul saw him and looked away. <laughs> he was afraid. Eliab was there. Was he not there? He looked away. He was afraid. But it took someone who has spent time with God, who has humbled himself in the place of prayer, in the place of fellowship, to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Everybody saw a giant. He saw a man without a covenant. Are you listening to me? It doesn't matter how tall you are. Without the covenant, you are vulnerable. He said, you come against me with a spear and with a sword. He says, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose armies you have defied. He says, and today, your body will be given to the beds. That's a man with covenants. Are you listening to me? Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due time. I'm telling you, there is a time of appearing that is coming. You need to prepare for it. You need to prepare for it. And you know the thing about proud people is that they are presumptuous. Have you seen people who will not settle down to learn what they need to learn, they would rather fake that they know it. Until the time of appearing comes, when Goliath is there, you can't fake it. You can either fight him or you can't. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due time. I want you to build a secret place. Take this prayer time seriously. This thing about prayer it takes humility to have a prayer life. To know that you can't do it on your own. To spend time with God. It takes humility not to be competitive. It takes humility to be happy when your friends are doing well. 
you must think you are better than everyone else to be angry that God is blessing others. Some people think God is cheating on them for blessing others. Stop all those pettiness. Stop it. Live free. Follow God's path for your life. The Bible says those that compare themselves with themselves are not wise. I want you to be wise this year so that God can lift you up. Remember, he resists the proud and does what? When it comes to greatness, the oil will always follow the humble. It will look for them. Some people are looking for position. God is looking for heart. Look at the story of Nehemiah. He was not anything. In the olden days, the anointing only came on some special people, kings, prophets, you know, priests, you know, and special duties. Nehemiah wasn't any of them. But a broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will not despise. Everybody heard about the broken walls of Jerusalem. They looked away. Don't forget, part of the laws of the end time, the signs of the end time we read, without natural affection, the things that should touch you, especially the things of God, they don't touch you as they should. You are too proud for that. But not Nehemiah. When he had heard about it, his countenance changed. Even the king noticed that this is, this, is, this, this is not you. Something is happening. What is happening? And he opened his heart to the king. He said, sir, I won't lie to you. I'm not myself. Look at the Lord's wall. Look at how he's broken. Those are the kind of people that God anoints. It's not by carrying placard and joining a political party. It's just passion. You are not looking for position. You just love the Lord. And God says, this is the man I will use. And a man who was a butler, the anointing came on him to rebuild the wall. And that's how he made his way into the history of God's walking through men in the word of God. Just humility. A broken and a contrite heart. Well, some are bothering. Ah, when will they give me the mic? When will they give me the opportunity to leave, give a charge? Some people are burning the midnight oil. Pastor is not seeing them, but they are praying for souls in Ibadan. They are praying, Lord, in the next service, let the sick be healed. Let disciples be raised. They are praying like that. The anointing will find those people. I'm telling you, it will. Because the opportunity will always present herself. And when it does, it is those people. The Lord knows how to advertise people. Are you aware that the Lord starts conversations about people he's proud of? I know Abraham. He will command his children. One, he, 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 one day he spoke about Job. Have you considered my servant? He brags about his children. You know, there is something Christocentric people say, and they say it in a well-meaning way, but it can also be misleading. They say, don't talk about your love for God. Talk about God's love for you. I know what they mean, and there is a sense to that. After all, we love him because he first loved us, isn't it? But Jesus himself, you can't say he, did, he doesn't know the truth of God's word. He's the Logos. He looked at Simon and said, Simon, lovest thou me? He didn't say, Simon, do you know how much I love you? He said, lovest thou me? 
feed my sheep, feed my lamb. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the earth, looking for those whose hearts are after him. He still does that. Are you listening to me? The Lord told me, he said, everyone who will open their heart to me today in humility, a fresh anointing will come on them. It says, their friends will not be able to recognize them again. He says, because the shift will be so dramatic. Holy Ghost, light within my soul. Oh, the fire in my bones. Oh, the power in my life. Lift your hands and say, Holy Ghost, you and I will change the world. Sing it again. Say, Oh. Light within my soul. Oh, Holy Ghost. Fire in my bones. Oh, Holy Ghost. The power in my life. Holy Ghost. You and I will change the world. Power in my life. Thank you, Lord. Speak in tongues for twenty seconds. Say ke suni anakatole kuria namato sapalato kina niano kuri kuri kuli kano say kana modiano salamano diana mahaya katakamo dele niano semene aye sunamano konianakaya kuli. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sit down briefly. I'll wrap round up as fast as I can. Hallelujah.
praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Marks of humility. What do you expect of the humble? Number one, they will honor elders. They will do what? Paul says, rebuke not an elder. Rebuke not. There is a lot of silliness around. And don't let anyone explain it away because of, you know, behavioral science. And say, ain't Gen Z. That is how they are. You are a child of God. There is no logical reason, no biblical justification for being rude. I told you I'm going to read the full text. I read just the second part of 1 Peter 5, 5. Look at everything. It says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to your elders. See, some ancient values of respect, of honor, need to come back. It doesn't matter how many Hollywood movies you watch. There are some people you don't tell hi. Are you high? <laughs> Look at someone say hi. Someone old enough to be. Don't be like that. It is biblical to add, you know, statements of honor when necessary. Sir. Ma. It must not be far from your tongue. Let me tell you something. Some of you have walked yourself out of the favor of God because of language communication. There are some people that were already determined to favor you, you didn't know. Just the way you manage it. You know, and you know, this generation, when we see great people, we try to commonize their greatness just to feel that, just to let them know that we saved day. God resists. Listen, the direct context of the statement, God resists the proud, was in relation to how you treat elders. Never forget that. He says, younger ones, honor elders. I've noticed many tongue-speaking believers don't know this. We must bring that teaching back. Honor elders. Honor who? Second thing, I'm not going to spend time, too much time on this because time is fast spent. Honor your parents. Now, I will never leave any stone unturned again. You know, there's just some things you expect people to know, common sense. Like, this is elementary, but some people just don't know it. I've seen many anointed believers, the way they talk to their parents when they are angry. The language they use is alarming. You know, the Bible actually says, parents provoke not your children to anger. You know, it was written specifically to African parents. African parents have that gift. I'm not, see, I'm not denying it, it's true. 
but there must be a line. There are some things that you must never say. There are some things that you must never do. I've seen some cursed people raise their hands at their parents. Do you know, in the epistles, you know, we talk about Christocentric in Christ. You know, Paul says, he quoted the scripture again, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you, that your days may be long. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Some, there, there are just some things that we haven't learned. Some things we take for granted. It doesn't matter how small your salary is. Find a way out of it to honor your parents. Are you listening to me? I know you hear a lot of teachings on tithing. I know you hear a lot of teachings on giving. I'm telling you now, you must honor your parents. When the Bible talks about honor, it was talking about gifts, material gifts many times. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruit of your increase. You don't just honor with mouth, I honor you. Ah, you, know, you know, put some things aside. If you are above 22 and you are still in your parents' house, you must be contributing. Even if it's soap, you must buy. Are you listening to me? There are simple things, simple keys. You know, you heard the testimony. I don't know why I'm sharing this. This is seemingly unrelated, but I'm just letting you know how the Lord can do some things, you know. You heard the testimony how my wife had a lump that disappeared at Reboot Camp. Did you hear that? I was praying three days ago, and the Lord reminded me that four months before, someone reached out to us and said, this relative is sick with cancer. We've spent a lot of money. We need help. And the Lord asked me to give. I gave $1,000. And as I gave it, the Lord said, I will take cancer from your family. That I, rem I forgot. Sometimes, because people have bastardized, you know, the concept of giving, you know, they attach the blessing of God to everything. We don't emphasize it, but it's, don't joke with it, though. Don't joke with it, especially when it comes as an instruction, not because someone preached and said, we want to build uh, something, give, and the Lord will bless you. When it comes as a conviction, at that time, because of the things I was doing, it wasn't cheap for me. It's a lot of money. I, I didn't even make the connection. It was three days ago. The Lord said, have you, have you forgotten? I told you. Honor your parents. It doesn't matter how little. Please, are you listening to me? Number three, honor spiritual authority. Let me tell you this. Talamandore kepaya. What did I call number three? Let me tell you this. David is the perfect example for this. 
because David honored spiritual authority. He honored Saul because of the anointing. Saul misbehaved from beginning to end. And David still honored. Let me tell you this. You know, we have a very proud generation. You know, some people even say, we're all anointed. Ah! Careful, oh! Let me tell you this. Have you forgotten how Samuel was called? Eli had disobeyed God. He was caught in a scandal. But yet, when God was calling Samuel, he couldn't identify the voice of God. He thought it was Eli calling him. He kept going. Did you call me? Did you call me? Eli did not hear, but he had the experience. Samuel who was hearing did not know what he was hearing. See, even men of God that are in sin, they still carry you. When the Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Listen, I'm not encouraging. I'm not saying you must follow them. I'm not saying you must. But when people are talking, shut up. We can teach the truth of God's word, no matter how, you know, um, who else is teaching otherwise, no matter how long they've been in ministry. But when people are, you know, saying silly things, don't join them. Are you listening to me? Ah, David had the opportunity. Saul was sleeping like this, snoring. He had the opportunity to strike him. He said, ah, I cannot strike the Lord's anointed. See, I believe without a shadow of doubt, God made me preach this sermon to save some of you. Let me tell you something. I have experienced it many times. I cast out devils easily. It's not... Uh, you get what I'm saying? But sometimes, if it takes longer, or it looks like there is drama, just know the person... There, there is something the person must renounce. I'm telling you from experience. Are you listening to me? There are some things that you get yourself into that will just create unnecessary stronghold for you. Avoid it. Resist the urge. I'm saying resist the urge because it looks like these days, men of God, is, some of them will tempt you. That why would, you just see them do something and you're like, why are you doing this? But at the same time, be smart. Are you listening to me? Be smart. Be smart. Don't allow someone in his anger reply you. You know, last year, after nine years of ministry, I had not taken one holiday one. Some people don't know how hard a man of God work. You don't know how hard. You have nine to five. We, many times, want to sleep. Someone will call. So and so is dying. Vigi. You think it's a joke? Ah, so and so is in the labor room. 
they say the baby is not, you know, you would have preached morning till night, then you will now start praying, shaking your head like this till 4 a.m. It's not a joke. And so earlier last year, it, it was as if I, I, I couldn't explain how I was feeling. I was just floating. And the member that God had blessed just called me aside and said, Pastor, I will pay for you. Go on holiday. Just go and rest. And I felt refreshed. I just snapped the picture and posted online. Someone said, is this what you are using church money for? fake man of God. Is this, is this not? And I usually don't reply, but that one in particular touched me. And I said, except I've not served God faithfully. Because you don't know what people are going through. The, the challenges maybe my family will go through, I will still stand there, preach. You will not know. You will not know. Please, what is number one? What is number two? What is number three? Number four, honor the word. You know, it's funny. But these days, it needs to be said. Honor the word. You are in a generation that will try to twist the word of God for it to suit. When the Bible says submit, submit means what? <laughs> are you listening to me? I'm asking you, are you listening to me? Honor. What the Bible says is a sin, is a sin till next year, till Jesus comes and after. What the Bible says is righteous is righteous. What the Bible calls light is light. What the Bible calls dark is dark. Honor the word forever. Stand on it. Okay? If you would do this, the Lord said, His grace. <laughs> you see, this one is a prophecy in the word of God already. He says he gives grace to the humble, right? So I'm telling you now on the authority of scriptures that for every humble heart the Lord will see, promotion is coming. It says promotion doesn't come from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Notice he didn't mention north because he sits on the sides of the north, right? He says, but God is judge. Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.